Hello, everyone, and welcome to Brain Food, a podcast about how gastrointestinal health, exercise, and nutrition can be uniquely used to unlock your maximum potential. I'm your host, Isha Das, an undergraduate student pursuing a medical career in gastroenterology. I'm here to explore the world of all things health with you, from diet culture to the microbiome. I will be speaking with professionals and speaking of my own personal experience, really focusing on these health topics from a young adult's point of view. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the sixth episode of the Brain Food Podcast. I know it's been a while, but I'm back today with a very special episode in that this is the first time I really talk about this subject matter of mental health. I'm speaking with Payal Sahani, a mental health clinician with a master's in social work and psychiatry. She has worked in both India and the United States, giving her the unique perspective of mental health through a cross-cultural lens. She is also the founding director for Sahas for Cause, a nonprofit whose mission includes uplifting the well-being of South Asian immigrants. For the sake of clarity, we mentioned a few cultural words that I wanted to clarify before beginning, specifically the word puja, which is a ceremonial worship which ranges from brief daily rites in the home to elaborate temple rituals. Without further ado, let's jump in. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome back to the Brain Food Podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in. And today I am here with Payal Sahani, a licensed mental health clinician. I will go ahead and let introduce herself and her career. Hi, I am so happy to be part of this discussion and the podcast. Um, I am a mental health clinician by background, as you just mentioned. I started my career um, after my master's in social work in India and uh, served in general hospitals there, both in the pure medical setup and the mental health care, um, and then migrated to United States. So um, my career has been the mixture of understanding and realizing how different um, the systems are, the healthcare systems in third world country and in, uh, in United States of America. Uh, definitely things have changed and grown and matured since then. But when I was growing as a professional, those were my realizations at that time. So when you were growing as a professional and doing all these things, as we have talked about, where you had moved from different country to country for your career, what did you see in hospitals in terms of healthcare administration, especially between places like India and the United States? So I saw that healthcare is a very critical piece in both the countries and so much needed for, um, for the betterment and um, wellness of our communities. Um, when I was working in India, um, I, I really enjoyed my time serving the community there at that time. Um, but my realizations are that the resources were so difficult to find. Um, as a social worker, as an intern, I had to work really hard to fetch for a simple resource for my uh, client or do a lot of coordination between different divisions, with different departments um, to make sure that the care was coordinated and the care was given to the patient because the load of patient care was so much more when I worked in India as compared to when I started working in New York. When I came to New York and started my first job in a general hospital, 
I realized that it was such a luxurious job because um, yes, the problems were kind of same, but there was a menu of resources that I had access to and I could just offer it to my clients and families and they could choose whatever worked for them. And that was about it. Um, so I definitely felt that difference uh, of workload and, and resource. So yeah, that was my, um, my highlight of observation at that time. Wow. So also kind of going in that same trajectory of comparison, what are the main differences you saw in mental health systems between third world countries and healthcare systems of the United States, especially in terms of awareness and um, stigma? I would say that um, when I started doing my practice in mental health in India, um, definitely we had to start our work with the grassroots. And there, uh, there was a lot of myth about mental health. There was no acceptance of mental health even as um, a thing. Uh, it was easier for them to work on their health or somatic symptoms, but they did not want to acknowledge that there can be something wrong with mind or their thought process or their thinking. Um, and now that I have worked in United States for 22 plus years, I think people don't change. I work very much with South Asians uh, today. And even though I'm working in California and United States, we still carry the same, same stigma against mental health. We, we try to deny it as much as we can. We try to push it under the rug as much as we can. So those things are exactly the same that they were 22 years back for me when I was working in India. Um, and that is the very big part of what we do at Sahas is education, of the community and making them understand that this is also health and we need to pay attention to it. We need to acknowledge and accept that yes, you have depression and yes, it is clinical depression and it will not go away by doing a puja or prayer or uh, some kind of an alternate medicine. You have to go on the medication. You have to take the antidepressants. So I think that challenge has not changed in 22 years for me. So do you think that the reason this may be is because of, do you think it's a cultural background, a region, regional thing? What do you think? Yes, uh, I think uh, it is something to do with our culture. Uh, we still carry a lot of stigma on uh, mental health issues. Uh, families don't want to accept if one of their dear ones is sick or suffering, they don't want to accept it. They feel that it brings shame to the family. Uh, they will try to connect it to health issues somehow or the other, and they are okay going to the hospital several times and connecting it to um, some kind of pain or ache. That is still acceptable, um, but you know, uh, calling it what it is, is really hard for our community. And I, I, I definitely think that there is something to do with our culture and the way we process this wow. part Very of health. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting, especially because both my parents are 
um, South Asian immigrants as well, as we had talked about earlier. And I'm not, I was born here, but going to a school in California, in Los Angeles, you see so many um, things that are helping raise awareness. Even in my sorority, we have so many different events and we have these weeks where it's mental health awareness and during our meetings we go over all these very important things and on the contrary my parents have never ever seen this growing up and it's very interesting because I think sometimes I feel I kind of fall guilty to this as well where I think okay maybe this is um this could be an issue where I'm stressed and I need to talk to someone about it, but no, it's an internal thing. Like I need to handle it. I need to handle it. I don't want to bring shame or anything like that. I think I, even I struggle with having a little bit of stigma of myself do like towards myself for it. So I think it's very interesting to hear that it's a kind of this cultural barrier, cultural differences that raise it. Right. Yeah. Right. So moving on, as you change from one realm of your career to another, how did the sides of mental health you worked with change? So when you moved from India to New York. So um, moving from India to New York, um, I, I uh, learned a lot of different new things as, uh, as a new, new, um, new professional. There were instruments of um, diagnosing uh, child abuse, sex abuse, family harmony, um, reporting it, working on it. And this, this was something that was not existent in Indian system at that time. And I, um, I worked as that middle person where I, I learned this, I got excited and I used to go back to my university and share with my peers and my teachers that you know we should think about it. Uh, yes, 22 years now, we do have all of those things in India. We have uh, the tools and the system to detect and report and work on, on things. Um, but that was something new and different that I learned uh, as uh, when I moved from India to New York. So when you're talking to people about this stigma, you're telling us how there's usually a shame kind of associated with mental health where people aren't able to kind of place the blame. In other words, on an actual physical health system, how do you go about mm -hmm. speaking with people who believe in this? How are you able to kind of make them believe there is something wrong mentally and it's not always something that can be fixed through herbs or pujas and things like that? Right. Yes, it is difficult when, uh, when I see such a family or a client in my in my clinic or in my practice, I, I know that confrontation is not going to work in our community. So I try to go down to their level. I try to gain their trust and make them understand that I am not here to judge them. I become, I, I, I try to practice that non-judgmental principle uh, to the core. Um, I, I start where they are. I go down to their level. Uh, you know, the principle of starting your care at where your client is and not expecting the client to come to your level. Um, and that helps me build that rapport and that trust. And that's when I, um, that's where I try to start my journey of making them understand that it is more than what they are thinking. It is not only that recurrent headache or a recurrent belly pain that they are coming in with. 
it is something more. Um, and even in Sahas, um, we have adopted the community health worker model where our volunteers, our, um, our outreach workers go out in the community and uh, talk to the people where they are in their environment. And that makes it so much easier because we are able to use our language, we are able to use our culture, we are able to use our experiences uh, to educate them and to make them understand the reality of the health and mental health. So that is the approach that we have adopted so far. Wow, that's incredible. So we were talking about all these cultural backgrounds. When you go into speaking with clients and speaking with patients, how do you take the cultural background that they've grown up with into account? And how do you make sure not to overdiagnose or underdiagnose a patient? Right. So um, definitely using the terms that they resonate with. Uh, so language becomes a key there. And, uh, you know, there are different terms that like in suppose uh, in Hindi, it's called chinta. And chinta in, in English means stress, overthinking. Uh, so using those terms that they, it is easy for them to understand um, is what we do. And the other thing that we do is to educate the mainstream clinicians, mainstream practices about the cultural nuances so that they become uh, ready enough or geared enough to take care of South Asian clients when they come to their, to the, to their practices. Um, so that's how I think we, try, we are trying to maintain the balance and uh, availability of culturally sensitive care in the community. Got it. So when you're going from um, South with Sahas, how exactly are you able to raise awareness for mental health? How do you directly work with different communities and different people mm -hmm. to help them get over the stigma that exists? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, we do many different things. For example, I would like to highlight our youth program. We have a robust youth program where we have a group of high school students and we have a group of college university students who are involved with us. Um, we have projects uh, like um, they, uh, there, is, there are two different groups that are involved in developing educational videos, a small, small bite-sized videos of say three to four minutes about different mental health disorders and, um, and their treatment. Which is, uh, which is in very, very simplistic language so that a common man can understand what it is. Uh, so that's how our youth is, uh, is involved. Our youth is involved in research where we teach them the dif different research methodologies and to do the inquiry and understand their questions. So one of the projects that our youth is working on is to understand high school stress and pandemic. Um, and, you know, we all know that pandemic has created a um, different kind of scenario and youth has been affected drastically. Um, so our, <clears throat> sorry, our youth have collected data during the pandemic time in our, through our vaccination clinics of 200 plus subjects. And they are learning how to now analyze the data and very soon will be writing the paper. So, these are some small big efforts that Sahas is dedicated towards where 
we are uh, continuously encouraging our youth to read, to publish, to do some innovative uh, projects uh, so that we can raise the awareness, not only of the community, but also we are are catching our youth at young age when they are reading when they are writing when they are producing they are also thinking about it they are internalizing uh, about all of these issues so it is prevention at multiple levels um, so that is that is one example of how sahas is uh, pushing this agenda of prevention and working on uh, reducing the stigma of mental health wow incredible that's so a big undertaking and that's incredible you're able to do that. So Thank you. with college students, since this is kind of a podcast, kind of a little bit geared towards college students, the general youth population or young adult population, how can a college student handle their own mental state? What can they do to kind of relieve the stress of, obviously we have so many different things going on, but it, it's different. I mean, it's different for each person, but going through the pandemic, as you were saying, and going through a hard career path, things like that, how can somebody make sure that they are still kind of helping their own mental state as well as, as, well as physical? Um, yeah, uh, pandemic has been harsh. We all know that. Uh, I would encourage youth to talk about what they are uh, feeling or experiencing and not try to deal with it on your own. It's okay to talk. It's okay to make use of the school counselors, uh, school mental health departments, and and just discuss, even if it's nothing, even if it's just uh, a, a daily stress, casual stress of school or studying, it's, it's good to talk it out and bring it out of your system. It will help you relieve and understand that it's it's not more than a normal stressful day. Um, that is one advice that I would like to give it to the youth and college students. Completely agree. So what connections, if any, do you see between lifestyle factors such as diet, amount of sleep somebody is getting, amount of exercise amount of time spent outdoors with mental health do you think that there's a negative or positive correlation with any of these yes i definitely think they are all interrelated and correlated to each other Um, you know if we are stressed we will sometimes either eat more or eat less we will either sleep more or sleep less and all of this in turn will definitely affect our exercise routine Um, so one thing goes out of its normal system everything gets affected everything is connected mental health physical health gut health your diet um, and your capacity to exercise is very much, very much in sync. So um, we should not ignore any of it. If something is out of normal, we should do the inquiry. Why am I not able to sleep? Or why, why am I thinking so? Is, am I thinking a lot about one thing? If I am, then what is it? And why is it? Ask these questions sometimes to yourself and sometimes just brainstorm with your friend or with your counselor and get to the, get to the depth of it and uh, bring, your, bring your normal sink of things back. That is something that I think we should keep 
as a target for ourselves that I want all of this to be in sync. If I eat at eight, I want to eat at eight. If I go for run every morning, I, I must make it a point that I go for my run every morning. If I am not, then why am I not doing it? Ask that question. Don't hesitate. Don't ignore it. Exactly. All about the routine and the balance. Wow. So when it comes to your nonprofit, can you tell our audience and all the listeners what exactly Sahas is and what its mission is? Absolutely. Um, Sahas is a nonprofit organization. Um, It is founded by South Asian women and our our mission is to uplift quality of life of South Asian immigrants. Um, we, we keep family system as our focus. So uh, we believe that since South Asians are so family oriented, picking and choosing on one part of the family and working with them is not going to be fruitful. So that's why we work with the entire spectrum. We work with the older adults. We work with the women couples, we work on their harmonious relationship, we work with youth, uh, because being an immigrant youth also comes with unique situations that they live with. And um, so we are dedicated to pay attention to the South Asian immigrant youth's unique scenarios, either they are dual identity, or they are the language confusion, or uh, being conscious about about, uh, their their heritage. Um, We work on all of these issues and our mission is to make them confident and be proud of who they are and and, uh, live a life of being um, integrated into the community, not only assimilated, but integrated and integrated as a family as a whole. We should feel comfortable as a family and as part of a productive part of the community where we live. That is our mission in Sahas. And we do that through different chapters. Um, And, you know, I would encourage you all to go visit our website, which is www.sahasforcause.org. We also are on Facebook, Insta. Please uh, check us out, call us, um, and we'll be happy to um, chat with you. Wow. I know I will definitely be keeping connected and my mom (laughs) definitely will be as she's a volunteer there. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. This entire podcast was incredibly informative and such an important conversation to have on a topic that is very, um, very important to talk about, but not a lot of people do. So thank you so much for bringing a lot of this information to light. And I know I learned a lot and I'm sure everybody listening did too as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to come and chat with you. If you love this episode and learned as much as I did, please be sure to give it a rating and follow at underscore the brain food podcast on Instagram to stay updated with new episodes, new guests, and other fun posts. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.